Kale and Company weekday mornings, 6 till 10. The Giants just scored again on the Eagles. <laughs> Cut sheet coming up, 745. Harry Mays at 930. Also, later this morning, USA Hockey shows the U.S. women's national soccer team how it's done and how you show your gratitude for your country. We'll get into that story. Also, Gen Z in the news yet again. And one famous Hollywood actress says they are a pain in the butt to work with. We'll get to that story as we continue. Ron DeSantis, according to sources, could be on his uh, final days of his presidential campaign if he does not win Iowa, which, if you recall, he received the endorsement of the governor, Kim Reynolds. So if he does not win Iowa, according to one source, he will bow out seven days from now and begrudgingly endorse Donald Trump. That story on the way this morning. And also New Jersey looking to lower the voting age uh, within the next two years, actually. So we'll get to that story as well. And the William Penn statue story, we'll have a conversation about that coming up in just a few minutes. But let's get to the news. Round number two, 701 on this Monday morning, the great Don Stensland. And good morning this Monday morning, January the 8th. We're at uh, 37 degrees and we are under a coastal flood advisory. So we'll have the full forecast and the storm cast coming right up. We are sponsored by COSA this morning in the news. So as we get to it, Philadelphia police investigating a killing in the Frankfurt section of the city of Philadelphia. One person dead after multiple shots fired just this morning in Frankfurt. Police say they found that victim on Glenlock Street near Pratt Street, and they also uh, picked up numerous shell casings and marked them on the block. So apparently a water department crew working nearby saw two guys running from the scene. No other reports of anybody else injured. But the question is, who is this victim? Was this gang or drug-related? What was the motivation? We don't have word of that as of yet. We do, however, have word of Mayor Sherelle Parker, the new mayor. This is her second full week on the job. She had last week, on her first week, declared a public emergency, and she had vowed to recruit hundreds of more officers asap ASAP. So now they're getting to it. So this morning, Philadelphia Police Department kicking off these efforts this week to recruit more officers starting today, accepting those applications through February the 2nd. They're putting out there that all of those who apply and would get hired get immediately a $2,000 signing bonus, as well as that starting salary at nearly sixty two grand. That would pop up about eight to 10 grand after they graduate from the academy, but that takes about a year. So it's, as we say, well, hundreds of more officers, let's say you were, you're recruiting. And even if you get 500 to sign up, just keep in mind the timeline here. Mm -hmm. And the timeline is they have to go through obviously the academy. And that's happening as we learn that more and more officers are putting in for their retirement. And we've known that we're down about a thousand. So you can do the math for yourself, but 
it, it just takes time. Speaking of the fight against crime, I know we talked on uh, the end of last week's program. I don't know if it was Thursday or Friday. The the SEPTA uh, tragedy where the guy that got shoved and pushed over and died. Yes. Did you see over the weekend, uh, Mark Fusetti put out a video. I don't know if it was on a bus or if it was on, on, on transit, but... Um, it looked like a fire broke out on one of the septa. Somebody like literally started a fire. They were I'm- cold. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, I mean, it was cold. Um, but th- there was like a fire that broke out and somebody started on, on purpose. And-, and Mark had tweeted out video of that. We've really got to get the whole septa safety thing under, under control. I know there's a, a litany of issues when it comes to safety in this city, but man, you wonder why people are afraid to take public transportation in this city with all the stuff that goes on. If you if you didn't get a chance to see that video, it's on Mar- uh, Sergeant Mark Fusetti's Twitter from uh, over the weekend. Yeah, and speaking of fire, uh, firefighters battling a fire that sent flames and smoke just streaming from the windows of a row home. This is in the northeast in the Holmesburg section of the city this morning. So firefighters working hard in the cold. Uh, Philadelphia Fire Department crews responding to the area of Tarsdale and Shellmeyer Avenues for a fire reported at that row, uh, that row home along the street. And that happened within the last maybe 90 minutes that they were called to their, to, to that. They've got it under control and they say they got it under control within the last maybe half hour. So good job to them. We're looking now for were there any reports of injuries, the extent of the damage, the cause. So we don't have that word, but because it's a row home in the neighborhood there, um, we have word that there have been people, other families displaced by the fire. So watching that one as well as the uh, the fire investigation that now will commence. So we're watching that one very carefully. As far as the um, as far as the Pennsylvania Turnpike tolls, we had talked about this and given everybody a heads up last week. So now they're in effect as far as the Pennsylvania Turnpike. And everybody's paying 5% more in the tolls to navigate the state's 550 you know, mile highways. So prices increasing every year since 2009. And this will continue for the next 27 years. What does it mean? It means the tolls go from $4.40 to $4.70 or from $180 to $190 for Easy Pass holders, holder, holders. But for Class 5 for tractor trailers, or the toll by plate increase that sets the new rate of thirty dollars and ninety cents. Wow! So there's there's that big of a discount by having an Easy Pass. Yes, that's a three dollar per shot discount. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I have an Easy Pass, but I never realized it was that much of a savings for Pennsylvania, and okay. and that's the same for the for the tractor trailers. If you don't have it, if you don't have the Easy Pass, mm-hmm. it's almost thirty one dollars. If you do. That slices that in half. Sheesh. But remember, this was under Act 44, which was signed into law back in the day by Governor Ed Rendell, and it requires that um, the PTC provides PennDOT with $450 million annually for highways, bridges, bridges, as well as public transit. Mm. So in part, helping to fund SEPTA. So a big, you know, nearly half a billion dollars. Yeah. And we pay for it. Yeah. We pay for those roads. Of course. Not the government. Right. Uh, Barbie, Barbie sensationally beat Taylor Swift's The Era's Concert Movie headlines say, and they're putting up, and this is a, a little bit of fun that the media, some of the sites are having with, 
as they talk about the 2024 Golden Globes last night. Margot Robbie, uh, blockbuster, facing off against Taylor Swift's film in the new Cinematic and Box Office Achievement Award with Barbie coming out on top. Good. So the only person that can actually defeat Taylor Swift is Barbie. <laughs> That's, we now know Taylor Swift's kryptonite. Right. I mean, I took the girls to see the Taylor Swift errors movie um, in in October. And all it is, is uh, watching her concert from SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles on a movie screen. I don't know how that they could think that that would actually eclipse the Barbie movie. I mean, once the Barbie movie was uh, promoted and we saw it coming out in the spring, you knew it was going to be huge. And then we, we saw this right. I mean, in the summer, women of all ages going to the Barbie movie dressed out in pink yes i mean i saw it when i went to see oppenheimer i'm like up oh, here comes some more people to see barbie <laughs> they were everywhere it's it's i think it is it's a lot of fun a uh, kind of a cult following yep but you know swift everybody in the media is saying oh look at how she was she was a gracious loser as she led the standing ovation oh, she's losing travis is losing jason is losing all, all the Hollywood elites are going down. Yeah. And, uh, of course, we talked earlier about the Philadelphia Eagles <clears throat> losing, too. But we have a we have a chance. There is a chance. Yeah, of course. There's on, always a chance. Next Monday, it's a holiday. MLK I Day. Just, I just want to put my hard-earned money on it. <clears throat> I'm, taking, no, I'm taking the Eagles minus two. Yeah. yeah. Good. See, see what Harry Mays thinks at 930. Yeah. I'm taking Baker Mayfield. Wow. Yeah. But... So we're now, we were, weren't we like the best? Yeah. <clears throat> now we're the number one, we're the number five seed. We take on the number four seed, which is Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay. They went Buccaneers. from, they went from 10 and one to 11 and six. Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, they, I, I can very hard to do. <laughs> this is, I mean, we're talking, this is one of the biggest collapses of all time. And AJ Brown got hurt yesterday. Yeah. Jalen Hurts fingers crooked. It's over. It's not over. Shot. It's not over. It's they will make a comeback, and then it'll be more exciting. Thirty-four days till pitchers and catchers don't. <laughs> Thirty-four days <laughs> till they load up that big U-Haul truck and head down to Clearwater. If they're, you know, the thing about it is, if they're not in the Super Bowl, I'm not even going to watch. I know. Oh wow, I agree. I'm going to boycott the Super Bowl. One, one viewer. I think they're going to be. They're really going <laughs> to miss it. Very sad. Yeah, it'll be very sad. Mm. Yeah, ESPN. They have this power, this FPI. I've never even heard of it. Yeah. Football Power Index. They're like making things up. They do. But, they create all of these yeah. different bogus Who's the metrics. Football Power Index. Yeah. It's kind of stupid, but they say the Eagles have a 4.7% chance of <clears throat> making it to the Super Bowl. All right. They stink. No, yeah, Eagles, like and, the Eagles and the Chiefs anyway. kind of taking on water. It's hard to go back to the Super Bowl back to back years. <sighs> yes, it is. COSA. Have questions about aging? The Delaware County Office of Services for the Aging, or COSA, can point you in the right direction to see how COSA can help you or a loved one. Visit delcosa.org. COSA is supported by Delaware County Council. As far as the forecast goes, we already have these coastal advisories, coastal flooding advisories up. Why? Because the rain is coming tomorrow. So today, 44 bright sunny skies today for your monday tomorrow the rain moves in heavy rain stormy weather moving through uh, there i see all kinds of estimates depending on where you are but especially for south jersey um you know three to four inches of rain so that's why these coastal advisory flooding advisories are already going out there but steady heavy rain but we're 52 degrees
So rather warm for a January day tomorrow, a lot of rain. If the, if it were colder, my goodness, this would be a blizzard. Mm. This would be, you know, a foot of snow. Right. But unfortunately, it's rain. And this is Kale & Company News Live. All right, Don. thank you very much. 855-839-1210 to climb in the cut sheet just about 30 minutes out. So this was a very big story. It came out yesterday. Uh, actually got a few text messages about it, and then people were tweeting us saying that we should be talking about this today. We're certainly going to do uh, that right now. So the headline see, says, uh, Park seeks input on the rehabilitation of Welcome Park. The National Park Service proposes to rehabilitate Welcome Park to provide a more welcoming, accurate, and inclusive experience for visitors. Welcome Park was designed, as we know, by the internationally acclaimed design firm Venturi and Scott Brown Associates. The park, located on the site of William Penn's home, the Slate Roof House, and is named for the ship, Welcome, which transported Penn to Philadelphia. So the National Park Service is removing a statue of William Penn, who was one of those, you know, champions of religious liberty and freedom, you know, the father of Pennsylvania. And here's the thing that kind of is annoying about this because we've seen this before, right? You know, the the left, they love to erase things. They're all about taking down statues. They love to rename schools. They love to target history. And whether it is something of a historical concept, uh, whether it's a building or something as innocuous as a statue, anything that is symbolic that they hate or they just don't agree with or they can find some sort of fault with, with they are hell-bent on removing. It's, it's almost like they want to kind of rewrite the history of America And I think the thing that bothers me the most about this is usually it's spearheaded by one of two groups of people. It's white, woke progressives or middle-aged to, you know, 50, 60-year-old liberals that kind of live with all of this, like, white guilt, so to speak, over the last four years that is, I think, kind of a uh, creation of the last three and a half years post-BLM and George Floyd. Or it's always done and led by, like, a young group of Gen Zers that have very little historical knowledge or appreciation for anything that they just don't identify with. You know, it's a lot like today where you see the Gen Zers that are protesting for Hamas. And like we saw the signs that were like, you know, queers for Palestine. And everyone was like, hey, who wants to let them in on the little bit of a secret here? But, you know, before moving, you know, uh, to like it's one of these things where you had a guy in William Penn who I believe was imprisoned. I want to say multiple times, if I recall correctly, uh, learning about Billy Penn in, in history class all over, you know, his faith. And then, you know, the the persecution, so to speak, of this guy led to a lot of religious freedoms and liberties that we experience. And this is obviously a big time local story. I don't know about you guys, but I'm not overly romanticized with things like statues but i don't understand the obsession with wanting to yank down things just because it doesn't fall in step with everything that you adhere to in life and that's what the left loves to do it's like this crusade 
to kind of, if they were rewriting a history book and putting it back into school, they would republish a 400-page book, and it would look entirely different from what all of us grew up with like in school. I don't know if you guys saw this story or not yesterday, but um, this is another one of these attempts to, I think, kind of, I don't want to say whitewash American history, but kind of just, you know, take out a different paintbrush and construct it in a different fashion, so to speak. I would say this about the saddest thing about this whole, I mean, this park I'm not as concerned about because it was, it's, it's kind of ugly. I mean, if you walk around there, it, it's that I'm with you. it was I'm made not, in I'm the not 80s. Really enthused by it. To you be know honest. what I mean? Yeah. Like, and and the only thing that I loved that I'm really sad is is about City Tavern. That after the BLM, you know, um, after the BML, BLM sort of protests and riots and yeah. things happen, and then amid the pandemic, the fact that City Tavern, which I loved, whenever somebody visited from out of town, we always went there, walked around. So it's kind of let's be honest, it's kind of it's kind of an ugly, you know, low energy I, I agree. so-called national park made in the '80s. My only concern is that the statue, that little statue that they had there, was a, a pretty. It's an exact replica of the Calder created statue, which is atop City Hall. Okay. And so my concern when I saw this was like, rut row, they, if they try to take down the Billy Penn statue, they're coming for that one then. If they're coming for that yeah. at Top City Hall, watch out because right. that will be a huge battle because this is such a famous, mm-hmm. it's an iconic statue that for, as we know, one of the reasons that in essence our growth was delayed here in Philadelphia, if you will, is because no building could be built higher than the, the top of the hat of Billy Penn at Top City Hall. And so, yeah, obviously they've let that go, but my fear is they're coming for the stat, the real Calder statue, which is a top city hall, yeah. and that's a sin. Yeah. What's the reasoning for this? Because he owns slaves. Yeah. Is this what? Not inclusive what? enough. Okay. But you know, it's amazing to me is every time they go on these little <laughs> crusades about inclusivity, you automatically create exclusivity. Yep. Right. Like you know, it's diversity. No, it's actually division. No, it's exclusion, um, or it's equity and inclusion. It's it's everything they do is the exact you know, opposite of its intention. I'm with you. Where I like statues don't one way or another. They don't affect me. Like if they're up, fine. If they're not, fine. Right. What what happens is is that protests and stuff like this, where they're like these need to come down, they draw attention to it. And then people who are just kind of like, don't even know what the statue, I had no idea there was a statue even there. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden now, it draws attention to it, and everybody's like, you know what, no. Yeah. They, these statues need to stay, because you're an a-hole, and I don't want to take this down. I mean, That's exactly what happens. I think I think most people through, go, that go, go throughout their daily <laughs> existence have zero idea either what the statue is about, or what it stands for, or the fact that it's a, you know, whatever you want to say it is. It's just... To your point, like we, and, and then you get all these like little petitioners and protesters, and they don't even understand what they're because now you know what it's become a new trendy thing. Protesting is the new fashionable thing to do. I'm just going to show up at a gathering that I have no idea mm-hmm. what's going on for. I'm going to take out my phone. I'm going to live stream it, and I'm going to be seen and heard. What's going to happen is is now that there's going to be such a backlash about this. There's going to be protests. There's going to be like just with the uh, the uh, Columbus statue. So it's. It, you're by drawing attention to this mm-hmm. and by doing this they're just making it 
like it's going to be up forever yeah. because people are going to dig their heels in and be like, you know what? No, that's not coming down. I, so whoever is behind all of this to take it down, it, like just yeah. <laughs> if you would have just ignored it, nobody would have known it was there because Dawn. Don's yeah. point is it's a low energy uh, uh, the, the, the park that nobody goes to anyway. Exactly. Well, because right. they they ripped down Ben Franklin's house. Yeah. And as well Billy Penn's house, they ripped all their houses down. So it's like looks like a like a chalk outline basically. <laughs> it's it's just low energy. Mm-hmm. Let's just be real about it. Yeah. And as far as Billy Penn, he I, I looked it up. So they they you know the history of it they can confirm that he had. 12 slaves mm-hmm. under, ah, under Billy 12. Okay. So you know what? It would be beautiful if they had local artists and and get get some uh, university, you know, Avenue of the Arts or Kappa Kids or Creative Import, get make it a local thing mm-hmm. and create 12 statues mm-hmm. right right there instead of that low energy one statue. Yep. Just uh, have 12 statues and think about the fact how Philadelphia was built. Talk about freedom. Make it a whole celebration of of individuals who gain freedom and you could you could make it that so-called teachable moment there you go and you could you could make it you know building the economy as far as so who's going to sponsor these beautiful dozen statues and celebrate these individuals one of the issues with slavery is the um all of the cemeteries these people with these graves that are unmarked graves Mm -hmm. so they could rectify that they could do something really uh, beautiful to commemorate these lives, but they don't. They'd rather argue about it and take stuff down rather than build build some things that are beautiful symbols of our country. What I really want to know is now, if they take this down, where are the homeless people going to relieve themselves? Oh, it's a great point. I mean? It exposes them there. even more. Yeah, I know. Yeah. See, they never think it through, do they? Gregory? No, no. I mean, it's it, you're you're taking away uh-huh. homeless people's toilets. Yes. Wait, that's it. They should put to Greg Stocker is the best idea. Put some of those Philly flushes, yeah, yep. right there. Yep, absolutely. Right. There you go. Yep. P P H L U S H flush. Eight five five eight three nine twelve ten. From absurdity with Billy Penn to absurdity in New Jersey. How low can we go? The details on the other side. It's Kale and Company. Nick Dawn and Greg. Talk Radio twelve ten WPHT. I gotta say this: as good as the regular season is, there's nothing like the NFL Super Wild Card Weekend. Six games in three days, starting on Saturday. For these teams, it's win or go home. But you always have a spot in the playoffs with FanDuel in partnership with the Valley Forge Casino. It's America's number one sportsbook. That's right. I'm riding with the Eagles on Monday night, eight o'clock, the last game of the Wild Card Super Wild Card Weekend. Uh, Philadelphia. Tampa Bay, I'm taking the Eagles minus two. So if you want to follow my picks, go to FanDuel right now. FanDuel.com slash Greg. FanDuel.com slash Greg. Sign up. New customers get started with $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. I love the app. Go to FanDuel.com slash Greg. FanDuel.com slash Greg. FanDuel, the official partner of 1210 WPHT and the NFL. 21 and over. President of PA. First online or on money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is not withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms of sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the Kale and Company Podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and on the free Odyssey app. Kale and Company. Here on a Monday morning, the segment brought to you by First Harvest Credit Union. 
Build stronger financial roots in 2024 with First Harvard Credit Union. Enjoy flexible access to funds with a growth savings account, earning as high as 3.5% APY. Visit firstharvestcu.com for details. Membership restrictions apply, insured by NCUA. Okay, so New Jersey is about to go a little younger as they will allow 17-year-olds to vote in primary elections starting in 2026. So uh, this will come into play beginning January 1st, 2026, when the new Voter Empowerment Act will take effect, signed by Governor Phil Murphy just uh, this past Thursday. The law will allow 17-year-olds to vote in primary elections as long as they turn 18 on or by the following general election. The effort, which dates back to 2020 in the state legislature, was sponsored by 11 Democrats, surprisingly, and one Republican, Ora Dunn of Morris County. Quote, to strengthen our democracy, we must ensure, there's that D word again, democracy, to strengthen our democracy, we must ensure that all eligible voters can participate in it, said Governor Phil Murphy. Allowing young people who can vote in general elections to participate in primaries is a good way to keep them involved in the Democratic process, said uh, Nick Scutari, New Jersey Senate President. Uh, the Garden State now following the lead of 20 states, which already have similar laws. Pennsylvania, on the other hand, requires voters to be 18 when it comes to the primary. Murphy touted the new law as another feather in his hat when it comes to expanding voter rights, pointing to automatic voter registration, in-person early voting, online voter registration, and voting rights for people on probation and parole you know i think eventually democrats are going to try to lower it to 16 and then mm-hmm. 15 yep and then as soon as you start growing facial hair as a 13 yep. year old boy you can vote 100 uh, as soon as you hit puberty you can vote but i will say this because i know the initial reaction is to be outraged keep in mind we gave you the study and the results and the polling numbers that have showed a big trend in younger boys high school aged boys that are starting to lean and vote and be identifying as conservatives. Now, I don't know if that's an impact in New Jersey or PA or where exactly that would be more beneficial to the Republican Party, but that is something to keep in mind. But it seems to me that now more than ever, the Democrats are just like, you know what, let's just open it up to everybody. I know, Greg, you had said, what, you wanted to raise the voting age to, like, 74, (laughs) which is remarkable. My my stance, and I'll be consistent with it, I've always said that if, you know what, if you can go to war and you can die for your country But we're not going to war! I get that. I'm good with 18. I personally think probably 21 would be the wheelhouse. I think that makes more sense, but this is kind of ridiculous. You need skin in the game. At 18, honest to God, yes, I know there's exceptions. There's anecdotes for everything. But at 18, you really have no idea what's going on. You vote on emotions you vote, you vote on feelings i don't like this i don't like this yeah. i don't like this you, you have no skin in the game in order to vote in my opinion you need to have skin in the game you need to pay taxes you need to you know what i mean like have uh, a job yes. your stripes i'm i'm dead serious i i understand i understand that you know the 18 thing was all for uh when you know well if you can go uh if you can go to war then you deserve to vote i i 100 agree with that if we were at war, we're not at war. Yeah, there's going to be no draft. There will be no draft. I know. So why? What are we doing? 
What are we doing with this? Well, it's, it's, I have the same the same take on like gender mutilation. Like it, once you're 18, you know, if you can get your head blown off in in, in combat, then you can chop off your uh, you know what and try to become something else and live in fantasy world. I think anything before 18 is ridiculous. Also, keep in mind what these studies that we have read. You know, your brain's not fully formulated until you're 25 or 26 or 27. I forget what the specific age is. But you talk about voters that vote with just their feelings. You know, it goes beyond just 17 and 18-year-olds. I mean, I'm going to give you a perfect example, and this encompasses probably people ranging from, you know, 18 all the way up to, you know, 50 or 60. How many people are going to vote on the left that are Democrats that despite all of the facts that say Trump had a better country and had America humming far better than Joe Biden— they're going to vote because they just they're not voting for Joe Biden. They are voting against Donald Trump. So, again, the people, you know, just because you're 37 or 46 years old doesn't mean you're voting based on facts. I mean, there are how many how many um, individuals out there that really don't pay attention to politics that I say this all the time on the show and you probably know where I'm going that get their news from Facebook or scroll their timeline and see something from Yahoo, and they spend six minutes a day, and they think they're educated, Mm -hmm. and they vote on something that they're totally not educated for. So I think it goes beyond just, uh, and I'm not defending Gen Z or the the alpha generation today, Gen Alpha. I think think there's a lot of uninformed people in every demo, to be completely honest. I think we need to take a civics test. Well, that's what, isn't that what Vivek proposed? A lot of people have proposed that. I think it's a good idea. Vake has is one of them. By the way, twenty states. New Jersey is among twenty states that do this. Yep. Where if you turn eighteen, if you're turning eighteen, but you aren't quite eighteen by the primary, you're able to vote in the primary. Twenty states, including by the way, Maryland. Yep. It's unbelievable. Well, Delaware and Maryland Delaware were the first. They started seventy. Yeah, back in seventy two. Pennsylvania, on the other hand, still requires you to be eighteen to vote in the good. primary. So, I mean, like, this is going to keep happening, right? I mean, we've seen automatic voter registration. Josh Shapiro just enacted that in Pennsylvania. So it's going to be easier and easier, younger and younger, more uninformed and more uninformed. It's just going to be the continuing trend. So what do you do if you're the Republican Party? What do you do if you're the GOP? You, you better start reaching these people because yeah. these people are going to matter, mm-hmm. right? And if that means, like Vivek said, getting on TikTok is yeah. as much as I hate it. Yeah, if if this isn't if this isn't changing, then you need to uh, try and appeal to a younger demo. I guess you can really so few younger people vote. Like I don't know what the statistic is, but like people between the ages of eighteen and twenty three. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know what the statistic is of how many of them vote, but it's it's not the majority. No. I can't imagine it is. But it's interesting which states, because I didn't realize, like, North Carolina and South Carolina, they allow this. Utah allows this. Mm. New Mexico. So a lot of the states in uh, in the Mid-Atlantic, our area, but I, I did not know that North and I just looked it up while we were talking. I didn't know that the Carolinas have the same thing. I just, um, I just Googled this. Uh, 2022 College of Student Voting Fact Sheet. Of eligible voters in 2022, 8.3 million young people uh, voted in the 2022 midterms, but only, to your point, Greg, 6% between 18 to 24-year-olds yeah. registered to vote. Yeah, 6% of 
high school seniors yep. to post-college grad. So That's what right. I mean. They, they don't know the issues. They don't know the candidates. They don't know anything about it. Why are we, you know what I mean? Like, why are we making it more easy for uninformed people who don't have any skin in the game and don't know anything to yeah. vote? Civics test. I like it. I know. I Somebody... Somebody tuning in now is going to be like, you sound un-American. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. All right. 855-839-1210. Coming up next, we'll work our way towards what's on the cut sheet. We're just about 12 minutes out. But who would have anticipated the Florida governor to be the first to fall by the wayside in 2024? According to sources, if it doesn't go his way, he's out. The details next on Kale & Company. It's Kale & Company On Demand. From Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the free Odyssey app. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Get us on the free Odyssey app. Watch us live on YouTube, as many of you do. YouTube.com slash at 1210 WPHT. What's on the cut sheet coming up 745 this morning. But let's get some phone calls in here. 855-839-1210. We have Anthony in Coatesville, who's up first this morning. Anthony, you're on Talk Radio 1210. Hi, good morning. Hey, I, I just wanted to correct somebody. When, when they when they sit there and say we have no skin in the game, I, I was in the Marine Corps five days after I graduated high school at 17. My father was in at 16. My uncle was in at 17. So, I mean, I, I understand the sentiment that you don't want 17-year-old, 18-year-olds to vote, but maybe it's a, a possibility that a lot of them are conservatives. And and also, it's up to us to educate them. Now, I'm not saying that I I, I would say all 18 year olds or 17 year olds should vote, but it's also maybe there's an exemption carved out to anyone that's serving in the military is allowed to vote. I think that would be an acceptable compromise. But I had more skin in the game at 17 than probably you had at 30. Yeah, there, so, I mean, there's there's no doubt that I think if you if you serve in the military, you you should be able to vote, but I don't think you're going to be able to selectively pick and choose it's, which, you know, it's not like you can make ex- exemptions across the board, right? It's also a different time. I mean, I, I I don't know how old that gentleman is, but like that was a different time when everybody enlisted and everybody was in the military at 17, 18, 16, you know what I mean? Like like that was a different it was a different time. Like we don't do that anymore. So yeah, yeah, if you're serving in the military at 18, absolutely you should be able to vote. Yeah. I'm just saying that, like, we're we're not in times of war right now where there could be a draft. Right. So having 18 year olds vote when 90 percent of them don't vote anyway, yeah, you know, it's just it's it's ridiculous. But I, it's a great incentive to incentivize to say, hey, if you because right now we're down in recruitment. We've we've reported this some oh, yeah. 47,000. We're down with the exception of the United States Marines, mm-hmm. but everybody, uh, all the other branches of the, of the military are way down in recruits. So why not do that and say, incentivize? Hey, if you, if you sign up and you serve your country, then you get the right to vote at 17, 18 when you sign up. If right. not, everybody else, 21. Yeah. Boom. And, you know, also let's not lose sight of what exactly they're doing in Jersey. This is for, primaries at the age of 17 if you are 18 by the time that general election comes around so odds are with it being primary focused anyway you're only looking at candidates within the party that you vote for anyway so i i don't know that this has such a massive impact over the results of 
said general election to come the following year once these people turn 18. 855-839-1210. But speaking of voting, we are coming up on a very interesting time, and I never thought that this would be the case. And we've discussed this. We've kind of floated this out in passing, uh, kind of sarcastically, tongue-in-cheek. But now, according to uh, Douglas McKinnon of The Hill, uh, he says that Ron DeSantis will be dropping out of the race on January 15th if things don't go well for him. He has said the following, and I'm quoting directly from The Hill. I have heard from two people very familiar with the DeSantis campaign, a major donor and a high-level political operative, that if the Florida governor loses the Iowa caucuses to former President Donald Trump, as expected, on the night of January 15th, he will drop out of the race that night or make his announcement the next morning. More than that, both believe that DeSantis will then very begrudgingly endorse Trump to be president. Now, Trump, as we know, has received some very critically important endorsements from House Majority Whip Tom Emmer, as well as Majority Leader Steve Scalise, on top of Speaker Mike Johnson's endorsement just a month ago. But this is, I would say, one of the most unforeseen things that I could have projected moving forward. If you would have told me, At any point between when we launched this show in October of 2022 through probably the summer of this past year, October, uh, August of 2023, if you would have told me Ron DeSantis would be dropping out in January of 2024, I would have said you're crazy. You're crazy. Then throw in the fact that he and I get it. You know, Iowa is not that big in the grand scheme of things and we have certainly pointed out the fact that just because he's got the endorsement of the iowa governor that does not mean that he's in any way shape or form remotely close to winning iowa you get the endorsement of iowa governor kim reynolds and then we're looking at a landscape where trump hasn't participated in any of the debates and we have chris christie vivek ramaswamy nikki haley and ron DeSantis, the four left not named donald trump and DeSantis would be the first guy to bolt. I never would have projected that. But then again, I didn't think the Eagles would be ten and one and drop to eleven and six. Mustard, but Mister Mustard could be a week from today. Mustard could be out of the equation. <laughs> who saw that coming? A guy who rolled to victory in his reelection bid. One of the very few that cashed in and said, "You know what? I'm going to get it done in the anticipated red wave." of the uh, fall 2022 midterms, and this guy is just going to ride off into the sunset and take his ball and go home before um, before we even get to March? I did not see that coming. But he he's, DeSantis says this is totally made up and it's a big lie. Okay. He told Bill Malugin could, that could at a town well hall. So he says this is bogus, but... Here's what it does, in my opinion. Because remember, remember, Governor DeSantis and Nikki Haley were going back and forth over the fact of the the donors. And so, think about it. If you're the DeSantis camp and you put this rumor out there that he doesn't do well, and so he's going to quit the race and endorse Trump, what he's saying to those donors who are supporting Nikki Haley, oh yeah, well you can have it. Because guess what? All of those individuals, if I drop out, all the numbers go to Trump. Right. They don't go to Nikki. They don't go to Vivek or Chris Christie or, you know, whatever. 
And so it's, it's a, it's kind of a, I, I will say this. It's, uh, it's a risky move. Is it a savvy move to garner some points back with but, the Trump base if he endorses them then? But Does I, does he win what, some MAGA back? But think about what he's doing. What he's saying is, yo, if you don't want Trump, I'm your best shot. Right. So I, in my opinion, what he's doing by create, if, if indeed, now he denies it, mm-hmm. but if indeed his camp is making up these rumors, what they're doing is they're trying to get those donors to come back to the DeSantis camp because mm-hmm. he needs money. Yeah. It's very expensive. It is. And so, and so they have to look at this and say, Rutro, if he le- if he drops out early, all these people go to Trump, and then Nikki's number this this does not bode well for Nikki, okay. which is why I think they're trying to get Chris Christie to drop out. Right. But he's stubborn; he's not going to drop out. Right. Yeah, Christie's. I don't know what he's still doing around, but that's neither here nor there. All right, seven forty-seven. It's a Monday morning. Always an interesting cut sheet coming off of the talking heads from the weekend as we get to another installment of What's on the Cut Sheet. What's on the Cut Sheet? What's on the Cut Sheet on this Monday is brought to you by our good friends at Cherry Hill Volvo. Where right now you can get a sensational. 2023 S60, courtesy of Volvo, for less than $29,000. These beautiful Volvos have less than 5,000 miles. Hurry to, Cherry, hurry to Cherry Hill Volvo today to get yours. Cherry Hill Volvo. Check them out over at 70 in Cherry Hill. Cherry Hill Volvo, where relationships matter. All right, let's start with Ron DeSantis, shall we? Um, he was on Face the Nation yesterday with Margaret Brennan. And what is the threshold? You know, I, I, like you, Nick, I'm fascinated with that story that came out of the Hill, basically saying that uh, January 15th will be uh, uh, Ron DeSantis' swan song. He was, he's, he's going to drop out. So, what? How, how well does he have to do in Iowa in order for him to stay in the race? Uh, Margaret Brennan asked him that. And uh, this is what he said. This is cuts. Where are we here, Phil? Um, why do I not have this? Cut 16. Here we go. Go. Start looking forward as a country. You have never lost a political race before in your career. You are a second in the CBS Iowa projections. Um, is that victory enough for you? Well, we got to win a majority of the delegates. This is a long process. We're doing really well in Iowa. You know, I kind of like being underestimated, Margaret, so I hope people kind of say say that. Uh, but we've got the enthusiasm. When the t- calendar clicked to 24, you see, we got more undecided voters coming out to all our events. So we're going to outwork everybody. But this is a long process. Uh, there's a lot that happens to accumulate all these delegates. We're going to do well in Iowa. But we're also going to be competing in all these other states. Uh, and I think that there's a lot of real estate. I think a lot of things are going to happen. I wish the former. Hang on. Hang on. I mean, there I think if go. you're going to stand for nomination, you should be able to stand on a stage to do it. I'm happy to debate him on your program or if your network wants to host a debate in New Hampshire, South Carolina. Uh, but the idea that he can go and just read off the teleprompter uh, for 45 minutes and then go back, you know, back home. That doesn't cut it in Iowa, and that doesn't cut it in a lot of these states. And so uh, let's go, get on the stage, and, and let's have the, the debate of ideas. And I hope Donald Trump will be willing to do that. 
Well, there is a first for everything, Mr. DeSantis, and this is a race you are going to lose. Uh, I I would argue that it's about time to close up shop. And he talks about there being energy and some momentum with the new cal. What what energy and momentum does the DeSantis camp have now that we've flipped the calendar over to 2024? I don't sense any momentum. I mean, I, I mean, I could at least sense some energy out of Joe Biden in Bluebell on Friday when he was yelling about democracy. I, I don't sense it at all for the DeSantis camp, and um, I, I think Iowa is... I, I'm not saying that this is absolutely true and that this is going to come to fruition, but the, the writing is on the wall. It's been on the wall for quite some time. Um, Saturday was uh, January 6th. How did everybody celebrate? National. I cooked hot dogs. I grilled did out. You? Yeah. Uh, I had some uh, some beers in the cooler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, did, we did the whole thing. Played did get, weights. Did you get together with family and friends and <laughs> commemorated, celebrate? Yes, national holiday, as Zioli said. Over on, no, no, he didn't say. He said, "High holy holiday." That's what it was. Over, High holy. which was the best line. Over ever. on uh, <laughs> MSNBC. Over on MSNBC, Michael Fanone was uh, the guest of Jonathan Capehart. Uh, because everybody has, you know, there's a, there's a whole industry around uh, January 6th and Trump and all of this that these people are cashing in on. I have two examples right now. Uh, this He was a, uh, a, a Capitol Police officer who was there on January 6th. He's, he's now wrote a book called Hold the Line. Well, I mean, who doesn't have a book out? So he has a book. Uh, so he has a book. He went on MSNBC to promote it. And, you know, you you want to talk about where you lose people, where you lose, uh, you know, middle-of-the-road people. This is where you lose them, by Jonathan Capehart getting in front of this guy and and crying. Crying. This is what I alluded to in the big take. This is... Uh, all right, this is cut three. Phil, uh, go. Is Michael Fanone, former D.C. Metropolitan Police Officer, Courage for America Council Member, and author of Hold the Line, The Insurrection and One Cop's Battle for America's Soul. Officer Fanone, I'm going to try to get through this. Um, Thank you for what you did three years ago today. Um, Please tell me your thoughts um, on this third anniversary. Um, We are... uh, well, what a Still production. in the midst of the the same fight that began uh, on January sixth, two thousand and twenty one, um, and we have a lot at, at stake in this country, uh, and I think that it deserves every American's attention. <laughs> How many times do you think they rehearsed that? Wow. I mean, you have the anchor who starts crying. I mean, even Don Lemon is like, dude, you got a man up a little bit, <laughs> right? Like, so the anchors start to do it. And then you see that officer who looks like a pretty tough guy. He's got, I mean, he's got tattoos on his neck. He's got tattoos on across his fist and his hand. I wouldn't want to mess with that officer. He starts to be emotional. Like, I, I'm not completely dismissing or condoning anybody's actions on those days for the few that did go above and beyond what you should do in protest. But this is... A, I mean, this was. I mean, what, what was the award show that we just watched last night? That the was Golden Globes. Yeah, Globes. this. I mean, this this deserves. This is yeah. a production and a performance here. Yeah, this is this is political theater right here. Crying for what? 
I'm gonna try and get through this. I'm gonna try to get. I'm gonna try and get through this without crying. Oh my god! Unbelievable! I don't know. I don't know anything. Who was the host there, by the way? Jonathan Capehart. Jonathan Capehart. Remind me never to watch his program. Uh, you never did, and you never will. Nobody does either. So more people are hearing <laughs> it right now in uh, Salem County, New Jersey, than are than watched it live. Wow, around the country. You know, but you are right. There is definitely a lucrative industry oh, for yes. J Six. Uh, you do podcasts about it. You write a book about it. I mean, anybody that was remotely involved has, that has a story to tell can you know make some some cash off of it. I misspoke. Uh, Michael Fanone was not a Capitol Hill police officer. I believe on the scroll there it said that he was a DC okay Metro cop. So. Yeah, well, there's a Capitol officer that's now running for office in Maryland. I have that right now. Okay, funny you say that. This is we said this is a cottage industry now. Yep. People people are making their names off of January sixth. Array capitalism. Uh, this is this is actually a Capitol Hill police officer. This is Harry Dunn. He announced on Friday on morning on the Morning Joe programs that he's running for U.S. Congress in Maryland. This is how that sounded. Cut to Phil Go. You're also author of Standing My Ground, a book. A book! Um, and oh. I'm keeping you on for a few more minutes because you have an announcement to make uh, right here on Morning Joe. What is it? Yeah, you know, so it's so interesting, like, this whole process that where January 6th has taken this country and has taken me personally. And um, one of the things that I've always said and tried to live by is a saying that says, until there's nothing that can be done, there's always something that can be done. And I feel like I've run my race with the Capitol Police and the last 15 plus years of public service um, in that capacity. So here right now, I'm here to announce my candidacy for Congress in Maryland's third district. And, um, you know, I, I just want to continue. What a better what better way than to continue fighting um, for the people of Maryland, um, for the people of the United States, and to continue to defend democracy. Because I think on January 6th, it exposed, one, how weak and fragile that it is. And I don't think it's an exaggeration to say it may sound scary, but we are one election away from the extinction of democracy no, no, as we is. know it. I mean, Donald Trump said it himself, that he is ready to be a dictator. And, you know, a lot of his supporters will sit there and say, oh, he's just joking. But how many times has he said the things that we thought were jokes that he actually did and took them seriously? So right now I'm here to announce my candidacy to fight back and be able to push back against the people in Congress right now that I spent the last 15 years of my life protecting uh, and I want to serve as their equal, as their colleague. I want a voice at the table, and I'm ready to uh, for that challenge. You know, I, I'm always willing to admit when I'm wrong. I've yeah. always I've said for a while now that I thought Americans no longer read and no longer consume books. Apparently, I'm wrong because everybody's writing them, and if everybody's writing them, somebody must be buying them because there is apparently a demand for books to be written these days. Maybe I should actually start writing a book myself. But maybe he also realized that he can make a heck of a lot more money in politics than he can be as a police officer. Yep. Oh yeah. yeah so it, yeah. there's this whole in uh, these people, all of these people want Trump to be president in 2024 because there's a whole cottage industry around it now because everybody has written a book everybody is getting famous off of this everybody's cashing in on on this don't you secretly think too speaking of trump being in office don't you think that that's what cnn and msnbc really would love 
I mean, wouldn't they love Trump to be the president again? Because the last time CNN was remotely relevant was when they could talk about Trump every single day yep. from 2016 through 2020. Oh, yeah. They're going to have a field day this year. They're going to have a field day this year. They don't want they don't want Trump to drop out. They don't want anything like that to happen. They want this because it's it's ratings for mm-hmm. them. MSNBC's ratings will go. I, I make a prediction. I, my prediction for 2024, MSNBC's ratings will go higher than Fox's because it always happens like that. Yeah, because that. they make everybody tunes over there to hear about Trump. Yep. And to hear the negative slant side. Yes. Yep. 100 percent. By the way, Harry Dunn, whose audio you just played, he's now an author running for office in Maryland that you just yeah. played. Yeah. He was the guy who testified during the Oath Keepers seditious conspiracy trial because defense attorneys had said, remember this, that the, that members of the Oath Keepers were helping to protect him during the J6 attack. Oh. He's that guy who oh. testified. So I wonder in this, you know, as all of this video is supposed to be made transparent, mm-hmm. if that will hurt or help his campaign. It's a good question. Did he lie under oath mm. or was he telling the truth? And by the way, Harry Dunn is also uh, Jeff Daniels in Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> true story. It's true. Not a joke. Harry Dunn. That was the character. Harry Dunn and Lloyd you Christmas. Could, you could, he could run as Harry Dunn. That'd be amazing. Yeah, That'd be amazing if he did that. <laughs> um, Joe Biden on Friday was in Bluebell. You played a lot of this for uh, your big take, but for those uh, that tune in later, I figure I would have some uh, clips from that because it happened at. Or, Around 3.30 in the afternoon, so most of you were probably working. Um, he catches, Biden catches himself here. He almost calls Trump a, a sick F word. Oh. Um, this is a, this is a, and you can tell what amps him up. You oh, said yeah. this in your bit, like this, he gets his juices flowing yep. when he talks about Trump and democracy. Obviously, he believes, I mean, there's still, there's still technically a primary going on. But obviously, he believes that Trump is going to be his his uh, his opponent, or else he wouldn't have spent so much time doing this. Am I wrong? That's true. You know, it's very it's a, it's an astute point you bring up. Has he ever? Do we have any audio no. of him ever mentioning mentioning Vivek Ramaswamy or Ron DeSantis nope. or Chris Christie or Nikki Haley? I don't think I've ever even heard Joe asked about these other individuals. It's a good point. Oh, my God. It yeah. just dawned upon me. All right. This is cut uh, four here. Phil, go. Trump lie. Taking a hammer to Paul Pelosi's skull and echoing the very same words used on January 6th. Where's Nancy? And he thinks that's funny. He laughed about it. What a sick. <laughs> my God. I think it's despicable, seriously. No joke. Not just for a president, for any person to say that. But to say it to the whole world listening, when I was overseas, anyway. <laughs> anyway, he's not going to get into uh, it. Trump's assault on democracy isn't just part of his past. It's what he's promising for the future. He's being straightforward. He's not hiding the ball. 
So uh, a couple of things there from the visual aspect. We did not get the same backdrop that we got a few years ago yeah. when he had the black and red kind of real demonic type backdrop. He went pro-America with the United States flag there. But I, I, I will say, it's whatever they give Joe, whatever they do to get him on, quote, whatever is left of his A-game at 81 years old, uh, there's something... I mean, you could tell there, like, he, you're right, he wanted to drop the F-bomb. Although, do you think that was in there? It, it was not. It okay. was because you can tell, you can look, if you if you watch the video, you can see him, he's kind of going off script. He starts talking about uh, the the Pape guy. Yep. And um, the, that's when he goes anyway, and then he goes back to his yeah, scripted point. remarks. Yeah. So, no, that was not in the teleprompter, which yeah, is yeah. why he said it anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because he had no train of thought where he was going no. next. <laughs> no. um, he also uh, bragged about pro pro Trump protesters being sentenced to a hundred and forty eight, excuse me, eight hundred and forty years in prison. This is cut five. Phil, go. One desperate act available to him: the violence of January the sixth. Since that day, more than one thousand two hundred people have been charged for their assault on the Capitol. Nearly 900 of them have been convicted or pled guilty. Collectively, to date, they have been sentenced to more than 840 years in prison. What's Trump done? Instead of calling them criminals, he's called these these insurrectionists patriots. They're patriots. And he promised to pardon them if he returns to office. Trump said that there was a lot of love on January the 6th. The rest of the nation, including law enforcement, saw a lot of hate and violence. One Capitol Police officer called it a medieval battle. That same officer called vile rape was called vile racist names. He said he was more afraid. Okay. Said he was more afraid. Sorry about that. Yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, as I said in the big take this morning, a lot of us roll our eyes over it. I mean, think about it: 840 some years, mostly misdemeanors, mostly nonviolent crimes. I just saw uh, a story over the weekend that they went uh, the uh, the DOJ and the feds they arrested three other men that were considered fugitives uh, post January 6th, just recently this past weekend in the state of Florida. Three years later. Yeah, three years later. They, You can say what you want about any of this, but make no mistake about what they have established here is they have set a precedent that they will not allow this to ever happen again. And they are trying to scare the you-know-what out of you to the point where you don't even show up to peacefully protest even under your constitutionally protected rights. They want to instill the fear of God in you. I'm telling you guys, you you know you you can think what you will personally about the speech, but I do believe stuff like this resonates with a lot of people. I said that yeah, in the big thing. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. there's there's a base out there that sees that, and they get they get fired up too, just like Joe does. It's well, it's, it's, it's all not just they the have base too. exactly. I mean, it's so it, so the thing about it is, if you're a conservative, I was at this event of flag football for girls which the nfl by the way is sponsoring you see all those ads Mm -hmm. they actually give out super bowl they give out rings yeah like it's really cool but anyway so all these like conservatives moms moms and grandmoms were over on one side and they're going can you believe what a joke that biden speech was this is actually friday night and then somebody goes you know mom don't talk about that Mm -hmm. 
But the truth is, conservatives are going to roll their eyes and say, what a bunch of bull hawk Mm -hmm. that was. And yes, does it pander to people on the left? It does. But does it does it move the ball at all for the for that sliver of voters who are independents to vote on negativity, to vote if that's all you've got? is something that happened three years ago, mm-hmm. I don't think that's enough because we're hurting with the economy. So I I, I just think that with, with Biden going negative like that, Darth Biden, how does that garner any new voters or any momentum or excitement for him? I don't think it does. Look at Marianne Williamson, my God, is in double digits. Mm-hmm. I know national polls, we say they don't mean much, but... You know, I don't think that really helps move the ball. No, I and, don't. And you talk about democracy. I'm glad you brought up Marianne Williamson. Think about this. Joe doesn't want to be involved or have to deal with Marianne Williamson. He doesn't want to have to deal with RFK Jr. He wants to eliminate. You talk about a guy who wants to be a dictator and wants no opposition and wants no challenges. Forget what Trump said in jest for a day one comment. Joe Biden is basically trying to eliminate all competition from within his own side and the opposition in a reelection bid. That that to me is the more scarier part. Not what Trump says as a you know as a tongue in cheek comment of for day one I would love to be a dictator. He, yeah, if you take everything that Trump says at at, at face value, you're going to lose sleep. I mean, but they they take these little sound bites and they make a whole they make a whole campaign out of them. Guys, I really believe you're kidding yourself if you if you don't think that this resonates with people and doesn't get people fired up. I no, really, I, no, and, I agree. And with it's you. not just the base; it's not just the base because I do agree with you that if you polled most people and they said was was you know January sixth the darkest day in American history, you know most people would say no. Um, but they also hear him like, eh, I don't know, like, I don't know if we want that guy again. I mean, the fact that they, I'm telling you, and, and you talk about the embellishments. I mean, we've had people on, on the left that have equated this to nine 11. I mean, like, wasn't it Kamala that compared nine 11 and I forget, was it Pearl Harbor and nine 11 with January 6th? Like, are you serious? Yeah. I, I don't know. I just, I think that it's that. The polling that has been done about J6 in particular, it's, it shows that it's pretty stale among voters. I do think that you're right that running a negative campaign against Trump definitely triggers people. That's true. But it's, I mean, look at, I'll just say this. If you look at, um, real clear betting, real clear politics, their betting averages, Trump is at 37.7, Biden's at 28.7. Nowhere point nowhere. Is look at even look at New Hampshire specifically. It's um, Biden forty seven percent. Phillips is in double digits. Williamson eight point seven. It Biden is not. Biden has to move the ball. He has to say something that this is what I'm going to do to change things because he's he's wrecked pretty much everything. It's mm-hmm. a disaster. So what are you going to do? What are you going to change? That's what he has. He needs to do. And well, by the way, that's what I think Obama is trying to telling telling him. In that, I think in that Obama line. is. Oba- look at Obama. Hope and change. Remember. Mm-hmm. And so, but I'm going to be consistent here and say this: that for Trump, he can't constantly be uh, talking about the election was stolen and, th- and those stale talking points. Because ultimately, voters look at Biden, then they look at Trump and say, yeah, you guys are self-involved. You're talking about three years ago 
What are you going to do for me now? And that's why I cannot afford yeah. anything. And that's why most Americans are unenthused about this election and don't yep. don't really appreciate either side because they're tired of the drama, the scandals, and the fact that both are are living in the past. Which look, you know, if you're Trump, you can certainly bring up the fact that you've been persecuted and prosecuted for sure. But if that becomes the bulk of your message, I think that's a losing that's a losing strategy. What are you going to not only presently? But in the future, and if you are going to do anything about the past, you need to undo the policies of the past of Biden that have wrecked the country. That's what you need to focus on. Not so much about just 91 charges and this, that, and the other thing. Because that doesn't help out the average Joe at the kitchen table living paycheck to paycheck that is sick of this economy. I will just say this. I'll go back to Ronald Reagan. He energized, because you talked about the youth vote. 16 and 17 year olds voting in primaries. Reagan, what he, he energized the youth vote and Obama did as well. And so if you're looking for a group and you, you quoted earlier, it was about 6% of that so-called youth vote of those teenagers and people in their early twenties. That's, that is a resource. That's a group that you can tap into right now. I don't think they're energized. However, however, the one group that we know can be energized, those first-time voters, 18-year-old girls and young women, if they get in that abortion issue and they can energize them on saying, hey, you got to vote for this, your body, your choice, etc., that is a group to watch, and that's a group that has gone for the Dems. Yeah, yeah. And, and watch this uh, watch this SCOTUS decision on the abortion pill. Yes. Because if that is... Um, you know, if they rule against that, then it, it, it it's over for the GOP for for probably the next twenty years. Yep. So I'm, you know, just warning you on that one too. Because note, mo- note, why is um why is Planned Parenthood going for now doing these transition surgeries? That's what they're going for as a revenue source because this abortion pill through the mail is taking over more than about fifty four percent of those quote unquote procedures early on are a pill in the mail. Mm-hmm. And so that is trending. So ultimately, Planned Parenthood knows that their revenue source is going away. That's why they're going toward now doing these surgeries for people that are transitioning their gender. Right. Uh, Biden, uh, more from Biden and Bluebell, uh, discussing the Capitol riots and Trump, because obviously he believes that Trump is going to be the nominee uh, that he is going to face. Uh, later on this year, this is cut six, Phil, go. Three years ago tomorrow, we saw with our own eyes the violent mob storm the United States Capitol. It was almost in disbelief as you first turned on the television. For the first time in our history, insurrectionists had come to stop the peaceful transfer, transfer of power in America. First time, smashing windows, shattering doors, attacking the police. Outside, gallows were erected as the MAGA crowd chanted, hang Mike Pence. Inside, they hunted for Speaker Pelosi. The House was chanting as they marched through and smashed windows, where's Nancy? Over 140 police officers were injured. Jill and I attended the funeral of police officers who died as a result of the events of that day. Because Donald, because of Donald Trump's lies, they died because these lies brought a mob to Washington. 
He promised it would be wild, and it was. He told the crowd to fight like hell, and all hell was unleashed. He promised he would write them, write them, everything they did. He would be side by side with them. Then, as usual, he left the dirty work to others. He retreated to the White House. As America was attacked from within, Donald Trump watched on TV in the private small dining room off, my oval, oval, off the Oval Office. The entire nation watched in horror. The whole world watched in disbelief. And Trump did nothing. Members of his staff, members of his family, Republican leaders who were under attack for the, at that very moment, pled with him. Act. Call off the mob. Imagine had he gone out and said, stop. So you can pick apart a lot of what he said. I will pick apart just two pieces uh, off of that Biden bone there. One, the, the only person that died that day was, was Ashley Babbitt. Secondly, the, you know, Trump sat back and watched stuff. Um, keep in mind, when Twitter, before Elon Musk purchased Twitter, it was owned by Jack Dorsey. And when Trump posted that video about go home, uh, be peaceful, uh, he basically, you know, for lack of a better phrase, you know, he called off the dogs, whatever you want to say. That video was taken down almost instantly on Twitter, which if you want somebody to say, hey, enough is enough, you can't be doing X, Y, or Z, I to this day am still disturbed by the fact that and now that we've realized what social media was about in 2020 and 2021, from a big tech censorship standpoint, I'm not surprised. But that video was taken down. And that video is now only shared and circulated on social media by the fact that people grabbed it and saved it and reissued it over the, this past weekend. That's something that still um, does not sit well with me. But there's a lot you could e- easily um, chomp on there from Joe. You can tell that his uh, speech wasn't altered at all uh, because they assumed that it was going to be at uh, Valley Forge. So he brought up uh, uh, George Washington, even though he was 11, 11 and a half miles away, I believe, yeah. in Bluevale, Pennsylvania. Because he was pretending to be there. He yeah. was. He absolutely that, was. Everything, that was. About, everything about Joe was pretend. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, when Washington stormed the street. It's a blue fellow. Joe Biden was there. Uh, he 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 invokes uh, he invokes George Washington, even though he was uh, not that close to Valley Forge. This is cut um, seven. Phil, go seventeen seventy seven. George Washington and his American troops of Valley Forge waged the battle on behalf of a revolutionary idea that everyday people, like where I come from, and the vast majority of you not a king or a dictator, that everyday people can govern themselves without a king or a dictator. In fact, in the rotunda of the Capitol, there's a giant painting of General George Washington, not President Washington. And he is resigning his commission as commander-in-chief of the Continental Army. A European king at at the time said after he won the revolution, now's the time for him to declare his kingship. But instead, the mob that attacked the Capitol, waving Trump flags and Confederate flags, stormed right past that portrait. The image of George Washington gave him no pause, but it should have. The artist who painted that portrait 
memorialized that moment because he said it was, quote, one of the highest moral lessons ever given to the world. End of quote. George Washington was the height of his power, having just defeated the most powerful empire on earth. Could have held on to power as long as he wanted. He could have made himself. Oh, sorry. Is that it? Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 got, I got so sidetracked looking at the graphic at the bottom uh, as I was listening to that rendition from Joe as he um, you know, <laughs> reiterates history. This November, if you're watching on YouTube, you saw the MSNBC thing. They quote Biden as saying, your freedom is on the ballot. Absolutely. So it, now we've gone from democracy to your freedom which I think is a fascinating thing to pick apart because over the last three and a half years, I would say no administration in recent time has infringed upon your freedoms more than this Biden administration. Uh, one more uh, from this. This is uh, speaking of democracy. Uh, Biden says that, that democracy means the freedom to speak your mind. Cut uh, eight. Why so many before us risked their lives and strengthened democracy what our lives would be without it. Democracy means having the freedom to speak your mind, to be who you are, to be who you want to be. Democracy is about being able to bring about peaceful change. Democracy. Democracy is how we've opened the doors of opportunity wider and wider with each successive generation, not with, notwithstanding our mistakes. But if democracy falls... We'll lose that freedom. We'll lose the power of we, the people, to shape our destiny. If you doubt me, look around the world. Travel with me as I meet with other heads of state throughout the world. Look at the authoritarian leaders and dictators Trump says he admires. Oh, surprised he didn't pull out the, uh, uh, the, the the Hitler stuff that he was talking about just a few days ago that Joe was reiterating. You know, interesting that he's talking about democracy and freedom as he's uh, kind of beginning to run a third world banana republic. But it's interesting when he talks about the, uh, the freedom of, of what's on your mind and to say what you're thinking and you can be what you want to be. It, you know, you're, you're able to say things like, um, you know, you can use these pronouns and I can be a guy, but I'm going to pretend to be a girl and all this other stuff that this administration likes to uh you know push in fantasy world and fairy tale world but man if you have a conservative viewpoint or you have something to say on social media that doesn't jive with the mainstream narrative it's amazing how the the freedom to speak and say what's on your mind all of a sudden gets uh tightened up a little bit so um again um i i thought his speech he was energetic the only thing that seems to galvanize this guy is trump in january 6th and uh i think you're right stalker i think sadly there are some out there that will uh they will rally it, behind that it in my opinion you can talk about you know the substance of it all you want to and we did but i think that in the uh, as far as who he needed to reach for this i think he hit a home run well, the mainstream media was telling you that. I mean, they thought it was one of his best speeches, if not his best speech ever. Yep. So we'll see. Uh, Vice President Kamala Harris was in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina over the weekend. Oh, was she golfing? No, she was giving a, a speech. And she, you know, we talk, 
you talked about how none of them are referencing the other candidates. Well, she seems to reference uh, Nikki Haley's Civil War gaffe in uh, this little clip here uh, where she talks about slavery. This is Cut 10 Phil Go. In this moment, we see extremists ban books and attempt to erase, overlook, and even rewrite the dark parts of America's history. For example, the Civil War, which must I really have to say was about slavery? (laughs) Sign language guy. Yeah. (laughs) And all of this, by the way, while they stand by and refuse to pass reasonable gun safety laws, to keep our children and places of worship safe. So I got to say this yeah. about uh, Kamala Harris is that the the Nikki Haley, you know, gaffe, if you want to call it that, yep. um, is is not good, especially when you have people like Kamala Harris mocking you for it. Right. It just doesn't. Yeah. You know what I mean? It just yeah. doesn't help. And the sign language guy, he's there sitting there saying, you know, it's very hard to sign stupid uh, because he's got to sit there and try to translate what Kamala is saying to those that can't hear. Uh, you know, this is there's there's a few areas where they can roll Kamala out. They can mm-hmm. obviously she's going to be allocated to the 2024 abortion tour. That's in her <laughs> wheelhouse. And, of course, now going to South Carolina, Nikki's state, to talk about the slavery gap. There's very few opportunities where rolling out Kamala is a spot where it makes sense. I think strategically that makes sense, even though that word salad she gave was was mind-numbing, to say the least. Uh, She also says she was born for such a time as this. Cut nine, Phil. Go. She's ready for the opportunity. Sorry, 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 sorry. Uh, let's start it over there. Phil, uh, cut nine again, go. And at this moment in history, I say, let us not throw up our hands when it's time to roll up our sleeves. Well, what a philosopher. <laughs> we were born for a time such as this. And we love our country, we believe in the principles upon which we were founded, and guided by our faith, we are prepared to fight for all that we know is right and hold dear. There we go. Boy, I mean, um, I don't know, my uh, headphones... No, no, it was like that, it was the the piece of audio. Okay, um... She is, I don't know if you've picked up on just the two clips that we have played. She is very, very, I don't know. Hi. Medicated. <laughs> and she, she's like, I don't know. She's talking in slow motion, almost slower than she normally talks. Yeah. Like if you mm-hmm. go back and you watch her hands, her hands aren't moving at the speed in which her mouth is moving. <laughs> it's really odd. <laughs> I mean, if Joe was on some good stuff for Friday, January 5th, I'd like to know what Kamala was taking. Yeah. Wow. Um, by the way, what's going on with Fetterman? <laughs> oh, you mean like his conservative rehabilitation? What is going on here? His common sense uh, <laughs> redemption tour? So he uh, he spoke out with his uh, Pittsburgh Steelers beanie on. He spoke um, of the, over the weekend about what's happening at the border. 
And he says what the Biden administration doesn't say. This is a quick clip, but I'm just going to play it for you. This is cut uh. one here. Go. And allies admit there's a crisis at the border. Whoa. And uh, I don't know how anybody could pretend that there isn't. Well, he's got the reason. Whoa. I know. Well, he used the C word, even though Alejandro Mayorkas has refused to use that for three and a half years. Um, but by the way, look at Fetterman there with the Steeler hat and the beard grown in. Yeah. And he looks like a Pittsburgh guy, right? <laughs> Get him a Permani Brothers sandwich. That was that was clearly a shot at the Biden administration, yeah. was he, it not? He, uh, you know, we're we're getting to the point where I have to wonder if this is really John Fetterman. <laughs> Maybe the clones and the uh, all the uh, talk about that's the, the the Fetterman that came out of Walter Reed is not the Fetterman that went into Walter Reed. From a brain standpoint and a statement standpoint, yeah. All of a sudden, it's like, man, he's his brain's back to where it might have been before the stroke, and like he's saying things that the Democrats are like, we might need to muzzle this guy. <laughs> um, I kind of like this Fetterman, to be honest. By the way, Duffy Domino uh, says that you should, because Nick, you're wearing the Kalen Company Free Speech Lives Here gray hoodie sweatshirt. Yeah. Uh, Duffy Domino says that uh, we should send. Fetterman, a Kale and Company hoodie. At this rate, I think he would wear it. Yeah. The, 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 on the trend, the path that, can, that Fetterman's been on lately, he might wear it uh, three times a week. What size do you think we would need? Triple X. <laughs> yep. Triple XL. Yeah. Big and tall style, too. Uh, By the way, I'm going to need a black one. XL. I saw your email. I got, it. I got one for you. Thank you, pal. Oh, <laughs> we don't pay you enough. You have to. Have 55 bucks. Pander for. Okay. A little steep. Thanks. Way to sell them, bud. <laughs> Jeez. My lord. Uh, the Golden Globes. Uh, the Golden Globes were on last night. Joe Coy was the host. I've never heard of him. Nobody else had either. He did uh, a pretty terrible job. Uh, he made a joke about Taylor Swift uh, because they did. The Golden Globes were on CBS last night, so they came on after the um, uh, the doubleheader. NFL games, yeah. uh, the Eagles were the 430 game, the Eagles yeah. and the Giants. If you want to call what the Eagles played NFL football. And Taylor uh, Taylor Swift was at the Golden Globes last night, and uh, this was his joke about her. Cut 13, Phil, go. As you know, we came on after a football doubleheader. Uh, the big difference between the Golden Globes and the NFL, on the Golden Globes, we have fewer camera shots of Taylor Swift. I swear. There's just more to go to. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> boy, can we, um, Phil, can we go back and freeze in and zero in on Taylor Swift sipping her um, expensive champagne or wine? Uh, because she did not find that the least bit funny. Well, I, I think that was supposed to be a... I think she was joking about that. No? I don't know. Taylor Swift was joking? Right? Like she was fe- feigning outrage? No, I think, I think she just thought it was like, you may take a shot at me. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. She's very she you know, she's a very unlikable individual. Um say that. So we said that a lot of his jo- uh, his jokes bombed last night. Well, after uh, one bombed, he he threw one of his writers under the bus and said that he he wrote some of these jokes and and the others he didn't. Uh this is cut 14 go. The key moment in Barbie is when she goes from perfect beauty to bad breath, cellulite and flat feet. Ah, or what casting directors call character actor. <laughs> some I wrote, some other people wrote. Robert De Niro's here. Yo, I got the gig ten days ago. You want a perfect monologue? Yo, shut up. 
You got, you're kidding me, right? Slow down. I wrote some of these, and they're the ones you're laughing at. Look. Wow. Wow. So now we have an excuse for all the unfunny late night shows like Jimmy Kimmel <laughs> and Colbert. And anytime a joke doesn't go over well, just throw your writers under the bus yeah. and say that was theirs. Can you imagine? That's what I do. When the big take doesn't land some mornings, I blame it on Dorenzo. <laughs> Except I, I landed every morning, so I don't have to blame anybody. Uh, the best line of the night actually came from Jim Gaffigan. I said this at 6 o'clock this morning, that he presented the award for best uh, stand-up comedy special, uh, which was a new category. Um, he, had, he had a really funny, and in, a, in the Jim Gaffigan way, a very a dry joke about Hollywood. This is what he said, cut 15. I can't even believe I'm in the entertainment industry. <laughs> I can't. I, you know, it's so unlikely. I'm from a small town in Indiana. I'm not a pedophile. <laughs> you know, Jeez. I just, I don't know if that's a new category here. <laughs> oh, my. oh, my God. Yeah, see, that was uncomfortable laugh. That was pretty good, though. Uncomfortable I, I, laugh. I like that. Yeah. Um, maybe they should have just had Gaffigan hosted instead of uh, Coy or Joy, whatever his name is. Joe Coy. Joe yeah. Coy. Joe, Joe Joy. Joe, Joe Dirt. Yeah. Whatever. I don't know. Wow. Um, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't know about that one. Um, what, you think that was out of touch? No, no, no. Off I, limits? It, it, was the great, it was the best joke of the night. I just I don't think it landed so well in the room. I think you know they I mean? laughed about as well. Because you can't go, you can't laugh if you're on the receiving end of that. You can't be uh, over the top because then people look at you like like you have no morals and you're deplorable. Yeah, I, I get it. But the best was Ricky Gervais when he was just, when he roasted everybody there and, and like they just kind of had to sit there and take it and... Mm-hmm. They didn't really know what to say. I don't know why anybody would be on the receiving end of well, those the, jokes that take it personally. There was there was rumors that they, they were going to go host list at the Globes, mm-hmm. but they obviously didn't. They needed somebody there to move the show along, I yeah. guess. I don't know. Have, they, have these award shows jumped the shark already? What? Of course they have. Okay. Because, I mean, I didn't even know that they were on last night. And I, I maybe I should have paid attention and watched it, but I, I was so disgusted by the Eagles that I had, I bailed on CBS at, like, I don't know, 6.20 last night. I didn't even watch the fourth quarter of the Eagles game. I was like, I'm out of here. Yeah. So, all right, that'll do it for round number one of the cut sheet. Part two coming up at uh, about 9.40 today because we have Harry Mays joining us at 9.30. We'll come back. We'll get to Dawn's big three. And then also... USA Hockey shows the U.S. women's national soccer team just how patriotism is done. Something that has kind of gone by the wayside in athletics in this country, uh, but they showed you exactly the way you should celebrate how great it is to be an American. And we'll do that after the big three. And that's next here on Kale and Company on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. As good as the regular season is, there's nothing like the NFL Super Wild Card Weekend. Six games, three days. The Eagles play Monday night, the last game of the weekend. Long weekend, next weekend. Um, I'm taking the Eagles minus two for Monday night against the Tampa Bay Bucks. You'll have, a, you'll have a spot in the playoffs with FanDuel in partnership with Valley Forge Casino. It's America's number one sports book because FanDuel has so many ways for you to pick up a win. Like I said, I'm taking the Eagles minus two. But new customers right now, if you sign up using my promo code GREG, new customers get 
can get started with $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. I love the FanDuel app. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Greg. FanDuel.com slash Greg to sign up right now. FanDuel.com slash Greg. FanDuel Sportsbook, the official partner of 1210 WPHD and the NFL. 21 and over, present PA. First online or only wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is not trouble. Bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms of sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Start your day with Kale & Company. Weekday mornings, 6 till 10. On Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and the free Odyssey app.